We continue our study on the biblical family, the importance of having our homes in order, amen. And this morning, we're going to address the family from a different theological angle. We're going to slaughter one of carnal religion's most sacred cows. And in short, we're going to concentrate, according to the scriptures, on what God, or rather uh, than concentrate, on what uh, the scriptures say our families and our marriages should be, we're going to address what they must not and cannot be. Amen? Reading, amen, the words of Jesus in Luke's gospel, chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. An important and often neglected foundational principle here so that we could righteously relate, amen, to our immediate family, the idolatry of family, the idolatry of family. Father, in Jesus' name, we just trust you here today to illuminate our hearts, Father God, and our minds, that we would have our minds renewed, that our relationships, Lord God, in our families would be submitted to you according to the order of Scripture that we would have right motives and right intents. And in all things, in our marriages, in our families, in rearing our children, Father God, that we would seek to glorify you and above all to obey you in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. So first of all, what this text cannot mean. Amen. Jesus cannot be commanding us to sinfully hate our family because we know the Bible teaches that hatred is equated with murder. So what does this passage actually mean? Well, uh, continuing to honor uh, the first principle of sound biblical interpretation, which is to compare Scripture with Scripture and to allow the Bible to be its own commentary. We notice here that Jesus is commanding us to relate in our family relationships in the same manner that we would relate to our own lives. Amen. We must hate father, mother, wife, children, and our own life also. Amen. So that gives us the key to what Jesus is saying here. We are to deny what? Ourselves. Take up our cross and follow Jesus. That's how we're to relate to our own lives. So the implications are clear. Jesus is exhorting us to set our spiritual priorities in order. Our families must be in right order. And to be right in right order, they must be subservient and under our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no relationship in our life Amen, to usurp or to uh, rival the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Somebody say amen. Now that's, that's an easy thing to say, but it's another thing, amen, to see that realized in the life. You know, early in my Christian walk, I believe the Spirit of God illuminated my understanding regarding this passage. You know, when you get born again, it's like throwing a grenade into your immediate family. I was not married at that time, amen, but my mother and father and brothers thought that I had lost my mind. Even though my parents went to church every time the doors opened, I was raised in a church, if you would call it that. But what happened to me was totally foreign to anything that I'd ever experienced before and was certainly foreign to what my parents and my brothers, amen, had experienced. And as I reprioritized my life, amen, and set my life in order under the Lord Jesus Christ, and I began to put him first, amen, then as I supremely loved God, they often accuse me of hating them or not loving them anymore. Why is that? Amen, because I wouldn't skip church to go to their birthday parties, amen, or their family reunions, amen, and I preached to them, and they thought it was hateful. And so in many ways, that scripture is communicating that entire dynamic. So our topic this morning delves into fallen man's and compromising religions, perversion of the plan of God regarding the family. It's a popular but unscriptural dogma commonly referred to as the family first doctrine. Many people believe that's Christian, amen? How many of you heard that? Your family comes first, amen? Loosely defined, never supported, by the Bible, amen, this teaching has gained unprecedented sentiment and acceptance in the modern apostate church. And that is an amazing feat considered, amen, our text. And uh, another glaring example of why, you know, today's modern church is so unscripturally conditioned and trained. People believe they're following the Bible when in fact they're being taught to disobey the Bible. The logic goes something like this. God ordained marriage and God ordained the family. Therefore, anything that would disrupt or otherwise pressure or challenge the marriage or the family cannot be of God. Amen. This false doctrine has become so pervasive and so accepted to challenge its legitimacy is seen as questioning orthodoxy. What's the end result of adopting this fallacy? Marriage and family relationships often take precedent over God and over his will. Obedience and service are bypassed, amen, to appease these relationships. Now, the essence of idolatry is to allow anything at all to encroach on our relationship with God. The most dangerous idols are often not the manifestly evil things, but the potentially good things. Things which, when offered to God in his service, provide rich blessings. But if those same things are used instead to replace God at the center of things, it uh, you know, enthralls or attracts or captivates our affection then the abused and misused good becomes a curse and not a blessing. 
and all the more dangerous because it's dressed in such noble clothing. Amen. Furthermore, false ideologies, uh, ideologies generally arise when idolatry takes root in the pursuit of a legitimate end. In other words, false doctrine. Amen. The devil came up with the lies, amen, that are often taught, amen, as orthodoxy. For example, once saved, always saved. The devil preached that in the garden, amen, ye shall not surely die. Well, hence the family first doctrine sprang from relationships unsubmitted to God, and men begin to reason, seeking to justify the subtle idolatry in their heart, they begin to say within themselves, I must be outside the will of God if my spouse or children are offended or unhappy or disappointed in any way with me. Amen. God ordained marriage and God ordained family. Thus, he surely wants me above all to make decisions that will keep my family happy, fulfilled, and at peace. And I do believe, amen, that our families can be happy, amen, fulfilled, and at peace if everyone is committed, amen, to the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and his will. But if everyone is not fully, absolutely committed, and even if they are, there's going to be challenges, amen, because, for example, amen, uh, husbands receive the vision for the family, not wives, well, they receive it. They're receiving from their husband. Parents, amen, have the vision for their children, not the children. And so it wouldn't surprise you that sometimes, amen, the husband and the father sees things that no one else sees. God deals with him. Amen. He just told everyone else to follow. Amen. You see, that's where faith comes in. When you follow authority, unless it asks you to sin, that's faith in God. He didn't say he's going to explain it to you every time. So there's going to be challenges, amen, in those family relationships. And the only way to keep things clean and pure and orderly, amen, is as everyone abides in their place and obeys the Bible, amen. Again, we mentioned Wednesday evening, the prophet Isaiah prophesied of such disorder when he declared, as for my people, children, or their oppressors. Amen. That means people tiptoeing around their children, afraid to draw lines, afraid to tell them you're going to do it this way, afraid they're going to leave or they're going to lose that relationship. That is cowardly and it is hateful to your children. Amen. You're going to hear me say this over and over and over again. You cannot truly love. You cannot truly minister Jesus to anyone that you're afraid of. You're afraid of them, maybe you're gonna compromise. You're gonna be a poor leader. Amen. It seems we've forgotten that above all, fallen, carnal, selfish, and sinful nature always tends to selfishly love its own. Jesus said in Luke 6 and 32, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Now, I want you to know something. The carnal mind cannot 
truly fulfill the command to love anyone. Amen. All the love that a sinner has and the only love, the only love that a sinner can have is selfish love. This love, which is typical of sinners and religious hypocrites, is self-centered. It's humanistic. It's not the sacrificial love that God commands in the second of the greatest commands, love thy neighbor as thyself, amen? You see, this sort of love is the lack of courage in husbands and fathers to lead their family according, amen, to the word of God. It's the failure to exhibit courage in the marriage, in the home, making the difficult decisions that all leaders are going to have to make, allowing yourself to be manipulated. This is that sort of love, selfish love, withholding the rod and not disciplining your children. What do people believe that is? They believe that's love. They believe that's mercy. They believe that's long-suffering. It's nothing but pure, demonic, selfish hatred. It's all it. He that spareth the rod hateth his son. Now, as I've often taught, when a man comes to Christ, every relationship must be redefined by submission to the cross. Amen. This is every relationship in a man's life. Amen. His close friends, his family, etc., and so forth. Amen. Jesus said, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake. Amen. When we take up our cross and we follow Jesus, we are denying every other relationship. That doesn't mean that we cannot lawfully have those relationships, but they're going to have to pass through the cross and be redefined. Our priorities are going to change. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you suppose that God, having freed us from the idolatry of family, would now sanction it and sanctify it? I think not. This morning, we're going to disprove this family first doctrine with the word of God. And we're going to confirm that it is an utterly false doctrine based on three scriptural points. Number one, the clear commandments of God forbid it. Number two, examples of human relationships in the scripture clearly discourage it. And finally, the gospel message itself violates its fundamental premise, amen? First of all, this family first doctrine is false because it's forbidden by direct commandment, amen? If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So besides our text here, which most directly addresses our immediate family relationships, there are other commands all over the Bible. For example, Exodus 20 and 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. This is the first commandment that God gave Moses of the Ten Commandments, 
And it is a reminder that nothing is to rival God's person or his will in our lives. In Deuteronomy 13, verse 6, it says, If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. And then in verses 8 through 9, it says, Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shall thou spare, neither shall thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. This is a serious matter, folks. Now, under the old covenant, of course, Amen. They were to take such out and stone them. But under this covenant, we have the instrument of the cross. Do you hear me? Amen. Every relationship. Amen. This command clearly indicates that we're never to allow any relationship, no matter how close, amen, to usurp or threaten our obedience or devotion to God, even family. And in fact, if there's any relationship that we can sense a weakness, uh, the potential for there to be temptation to undermine our affection for Christ, the only answer for that relationship is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind or what sort of relationships come to mind, amen, that hold this sort of influence in our lives? Amen. It's not, you know, the relationship, the shallow relationship I may have, amen, with the man down at the lawnmower shop. Amen. I may know him. He's friendly. I'm friendly to him. But that relationship is not the sort of relationship that's going to be used by the enemy. First and foremost, it would be our own lives. Amen. Our own lives. But closely following would naturally be our family relationships. In fact, Jesus even indicated that obedience to him could cause great family upheaval. In Matthew 10, 35 to 38, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Hence, unchecked devotion and or the fear of family members is clearly revealed in Scripture as a potential stumbling block to our obedience to God. You know, over the years, I've seen two things that are the primary reason, amen, for people backsliding. Or should I say venues where all manner of temptation come. And of course, it's unbelief and sin that always causes a man to fall away. But the two main areas where I see people falling away is family, family idolatry, amen, and work. Those two things 
cause more people to backslide than anything else. Granted, the commands to love, to nurture, to honor, to reverence and obey are all leveled to varying stations within the context of the family. God indeed ordained marriage. Marriage is his idea. Family is a vehicle to glorify God. The family is God's idea. Those things are institutions of God, and they hold their place. Nonetheless, if we're to please God, our family relationships must clearly be prioritized under our submission to God and his will. Amen. You you cannot truly love your family or do the will of God or lead your family if your family is not in its proper place in your heart. Acts 13 and 36, speaking of King David and his leadership and his calling and his ministry. Amen. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, Fell on, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers. Amen. So the most sound leadership at the very core, at the very essence of that leadership, amen, is a pure driving motivation above all to obey, to please, and glorify God. Now listen to me. This is an absolute. Anything short of that motivation in the heart is going to constitute a toxic and dangerous leadership without exception. Amen? And that's the truth. And I can tell you there's not many. I mean, there's really not that many folk that you find in the church world that really govern themselves and their families in this way. This is a great weakness. A great weakness. Amen? That weakness has been evident right here in this church, amen, where people can hear preaching, they can hear teaching, and yet, amen, they still, amen, do not truly love God supremely and love their family as they ought because their family is idolatrous to them. Our love for God should be far above, amen, and other than our genuine and legitimate love for our families. Again, as Christians, Amen, we should be very careful to see that our family members love God far more than they love us. I want my wife. If my wife doesn't love Jesus more than she loves me, I'm going to become an idol. I'm going to be a stumbling block to her. If I don't love Jesus far more than I love her, then I'm going to be a coward and a weakling. I'm always going to be, you know, testing her opinion. And, and again, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't test or want our wife's opinion or input. Do you, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, ultimately, when I know God wants me to go, amen, left, then I got to go left no matter who. They can all say, I think we need to go right. If you go left, that's going to disappoint me. If you go left, I'm going to lose the victory. If you go left, I'm going to leave. It doesn't matter what they say, what they think. I've got to do what God called me to do. And that has to be a burning zeal in the heart. Amen. In other words, something that you're passionate about, and if you're not passionate about that, you, you might not even be conscious by default how much you're, how much you're being manipulated. Amen? 
This doctrine, the family, the family first doctrine, is false because we see it also discouraged by human examples. Both negative, both positive examples, all through the Bible in the Old Testament as well as the New. Let's start at the beginning. For example, Adam, he violated his walk with God by listening to his wife Eve. Consequently, that little, is this really that big of a deal? No one sees, but if I just do something to please my wife, just uh, maybe ch I change the menu. That's how simple that was, really. <laughs> That's how it could be explained away in the mind. Is that right? Something that God told him not to do, but very simple. Just something in the course of the day. Amen. But it brought a curse on him. It brought a curse on his marriage. It brought a curse on his family. And it brought a curse on all posterity. It was instrumental in the fall. 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 14. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. You know, ladies, it'd be good for you to understand where your place is and where his place is. And when he's operating in his place of authority, you ought to tremble to usurp that or usurp it. You ought to tremble, amen, to manipulate, to, to be used to manipulate or cause him to question what he truly believes God, amen, is calling him to do. Amen. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over them. You don't have to stand up here to be a teacher. Amen. You can be a teacher in your house by pressuring your husband to back away from what he believes God has called him to do. Amen. You are to be in silence. You know what that means? Modern day vernacular. You need to shut up. That's what you need to do. For Adam was first formed and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Amen. You see, this is very, very important. Family idolatry was instrumental in the very fall of man. Indeed, it is the carnal tendency of men, apart from grace, to acquiesce and to seek to please their wives. While the fallen nature of women, apart from grace, is to manipulate their husbands or role reversal, if you will. Your desire shall be to thy husband. That's what that's speaking about. But he shall rule over thee. Amen. That's a result of the curse. Amen. It is to manipulate. Amen. It's the carnal tendency of parents apart from grace to be biased towards their own children. In other words, we have to recognize this is a weakness. If it's not for God, his word, and his grace, amen, we're going to fall into that trap every time. In Numbers 14, the children of Israel refused to obey God. They refused to take Canaan land, partly because of a selfish concern for their families. This is what they said. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? You know, where was the best place for their wives and children? Canaan land, because that's what God said 
go and do. That's the even in the midst of a war, and they had to take it from, from those who inhabit it. Do you hear me? The safest place is doing the will of God. Amen. And this is people make these sorts of decisions all the time. Amen. But they're not really considering the first and foremost thing is what did God tell me to do? Or what did he command us to do? And Judges 6, God commanded Gideon to throw down his father's altar to Baal and cut down the groves. The Bible says that he did obey. But it says in Judges 6 and 27, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Eli refused to restrain his wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and the priesthood ultimately was removed from his house. Ahab, often attempting to please his pagan wife Jezebel, compromised the throne of Israel, and that, of course, a God-ordained calling. Amen. He's going to stand before God, not just for his personal life, but that the stewardship of being the king of Israel. And everywhere that he failed, everywhere that he led Israel in a direction that God did not command, he's going to give, amen, an answer for that. God said to him, he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. For the most part, it was simply because he was trying to please his wife. At his calling, Elisha asked Elijah if he could go home and kiss his father and mother before he followed. Amen, Elisha said, go back again. For what have I done to thee? Amen, a potential disciple who Jesus commanded, follow me, begged. Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. At which Jesus replied, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now you think of that. This happened. This is not some little parable. This happened. Somebody, my parents, my, my father just died. We had a funeral to go to. I need to be there to bury him. You let the dead fall. I'm not saying we got to skip every funeral. I'm saying Jesus commanded him to do that. Don't you think for one minute that your family rivals that relationship. It's not even in the same universe. And if your heart, amen, your, your relationship with your family, amen, rivals that in any way that you have to think through what Jesus is telling you to do to deny your family, then you are guilty of idolatry. On the other hand, we have some positive examples. Abraham was willing to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice at the command of God. And we know that Abraham was called a friend of God. And God said of him, now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. As Moses, amen, was called of God, sent back, amen, to Egypt, as a deliverer, received that calling at the burning bush, amen, and yet God met him in the way to kill him because he failed to practice circumcision as was commanded in the law. And it says in Exodus 4 and 25, then Sipporah, amen, which was his wife, she took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, surely, surely, 
a bloody husband are thou to me. In other words, she didn't see it right, and she didn't agree with it. Amen. But he stood his ground, said, this is what God said, and this is what we're going to do, woman. Amen. She didn't like it, and he didn't care. He was pleasing God. Likewise, Elijah by the Holy Ghost commanded the widow at Zarephath to deny herself and to deny her child to feed the prophet. Make me, therefore, a little cake first, he said, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. Amen. The will of God, the ministry of God, comes before, amen, the well-being of our families. In the New Testament, and I'm not speaking about spiritual well-being. Do you understand? Holy Ghost is never going to ask us to do anything that's going to jeopardize us spiritually. But he will put us in positions where we are going to have to deny ourselves. Should that shock us? Should that surprise us that we have to deny ourselves and our families? It shouldn't. In the New Testament, we have examples of Jesus calling men to follow, more than likely putting great strain upon their families. Matthew 4, 21 and 22. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. They got a fishing business. Be like Charlie out landscaping with Malachi and, and Daniel. And somebody walks by and says, Drop all that and come with me. I'm sure that Charlie, Charlie wouldn't be too pleased with that. <laughs> right? Kind of leave him in a bond, right? Do you understand? This happened. This is what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus, in addressing his own earthly family, displayed his utter devotion to his heavenly father and his will. Mark 3 and 31, there came then his brethren and his mother, his immediate family, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. In other words, those that do the will of God is paramount. The will of God is paramount. This doctrine, the family first doctrine, is false because we also see it violated by the gospel message itself. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So here, in fact, in the gospel message, Perhaps the greatest blow to the family first doctrine is dealt. Not only did God the Father send his own son, amen, he did so knowing that he would be brutally murdered. 
Furthermore, amen, he sent his only son, amen, not for his friends, but before his foes or enemies. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when we're talking about um, the arguments of pacifism, and we talk about defending our own homes, that it is lawful uh, if someone were to break into our houses and to seek to rape our wives or kill our children, that we could intervene, amen, with enough violence to neutralize the attack, amen? And when someone says, well, you're called to love, amen, your enemies. Well, we say, well, there has to be, I'm also called to love my wife. And so the person, amen, according to the word of God that is most deserving to be loved at that moment would be my wife and children. Well, but in this situation, if we're equal, God has called us to deny ourselves, amen, that the lost would receive ministry. In that situation, we are to prefer others. Do you hear me? Amen. It should be no surprise. God doesn't follow the idolatrous family first doctrine. Romans 8 and 32 says that he spared not his own son. In other words, he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is our example. He spared not. He spared not. Proverbs 3 and 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Amen. And so this is what many theologians refer to as disinterested love or divine benevolence. And it is the foundation for all evangelistic work, all missions work. Jesus was the first evangelist, the first missionary. Thus, we'll never fulfill our calling apart from this disinterested sort of love, which is basically not allowing, amen, the interest in ourselves to take the preeminence, but to deny ourselves. Matthew 16 and 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now again, Jesus said, you are to hate father, mother, brother, wife, children, and thy own life also. So he is putting together all these relationships. This is the way you're to respond. And so we should consider denying our families, denying our wives, amen, as akin to denying ourselves, amen? And this should be taught. You should be teaching, men, you should be teaching, this is the way we're gonna live. It's gonna cost us something. We're not going to be able to live the American dream. This is not going to be a Norman Rockwell drawing. 
Amen. This is going to be the Bible. And we are going to deny ourselves. And, and there's going to be times, because we're following Jesus, amen, that we're going to do things, we're going to make decisions, amen, that we normally would not make if we weren't Christians, amen. And it's going to cause, cause us to deny what we want so the kingdom of God can be advanced. Somebody say amen. amen. Some practical points about this. We know in Psalms 127 and 1, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, if you order your marriage and you order your family with this sort of thought that my family comes first, then the Lord is not building your house. Amen. You have to approach it that this is commanded and this is of God but it must be subservient to your relationship, amen, to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, your marriage and family will be sort of, if you, if you will, a vehicle to fulfill or to call. It's you're pouring your life out through in the same sense that you're pouring your life out through uh, in the context of the local church. The marriage and the family are also vehicles to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, the family is important to God, but it must be ordered according to God's word, simply meaning obedience to God must be paramount. How is it then so many teach, amen, that our families are our first responsibility, especially in light of Jesus' words in John 14 and 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loveth me. You see, the root problem here is when men assume that they can separate their relationship with Jesus from their service to Jesus. Amen? Those two things cannot be separated. Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So notice here, Jesus is saying that our obedience to the will of God reveals the depth and the quality of our relationship with him. So we see that a man's ministry even is intrinsically linked to his relationship with God. Could I be a good Christian if I refuse to pastor Anybody here think I could be a good Christian? I ain't doing this no more. I want to spend time with my wife. I'd be lost. You can't separate. But we've heard this sort of reasoning. Well, family, it must be first. Because if our families are out of order, then we're supposed to cease from ministering. That's illogical. For example, any sin disqualifies us for ministry. However, that doesn't make sin a priority over our ministry. Amen? It's a shame when that takes place. And indeed, all it is just sin disqualifies you. That doesn't mean your family is more important than the will of God. Absolutely not. Even though your family is the will of God. Amen? Amen? 
It's true some have neglected their families in the name of ministry. Of course, that is true, and that is wicked. And therefore, they squandered valuable ministry time, having to pick up the pieces, if you will. We can, however, go to the opposite extreme and make the family an idol. And I will say here unequivocally and authoritatively that, you know, the latter is far more the problem. Far more. I said far more. Very unlikely that you meet people that are putting ministry above their family. People don't minister. I'm talking about real ministry. Amen. That's very rare. What, what you find in most cases are people, amen, are putting their relationships and their family ahead of doing the will of God. We should teach our families that ministry is the sacrifice and service, amen, is what we should rightly render to God. And so... Uh, our families should be basically revolving around the will of God and that we incorporate our families into ministry. There is enough time, amen, and listen to me. Let, let God define that. Charles Finney got married, amen, and for the first six months. He got married, left, and went on a mission trip for six months. Didn't even see his wife. Now, I'm not saying God's going to always do that. Aren't you thankful for that, Colby? Amen. <laughs> but you got to be willing to do it. You see, you understand? It was, a, it was a mentality. Didn't even question that. How much time do I have to spend with my wife? If I had some rule, I had to spend two hours or an hour or even 30 minutes, I have to. Amen. That's, God wants me to do that no matter what. I wouldn't be able to minister. Now, there are many times I do have that much time. But there are times I do not have that amount of time, and if, I, and if I were to have that rule, I would, you know, usurp what God is having me do. There are many times, amen, that I'm moving over in the course of my life where I've been moving 90 miles an hour or 99 miles an hour for months at a time. But, you know, before you get put into that position, you train your family. They have right expectations, me and my wife are not in this so that, you know, our romance can take precedent over everything. We're in this to do the will of God. She's my help me. So we're in agreement. Amen. Okay. Uh, we might at times be disappointed. Something happened. We were going to do this, but we can't do that. We keep it right hard. This is the will of God. This is the most important thing. That's the way you have to live. Any wife or any child who does not expect to be denied as they follow Christ are going to be very, very, very disappointed. You've heard me tell this story before. <clears throat> My wife was talking to Sister Clinton, and, and uh, this was, you know, long after Brother Clinton had, uh, you know, went to Russia, and he was back here, and in the school of Christ and had pastored for 45 years. And, and uh, Sister Clinton had told my wife and said, there's not one vacation that we ever went on that wasn't interrupted by needed ministry. Not one single time. And we, we weren't surprised at that because that's generally what happened. But, and again, you know, we have been on vacation 
where we weren't um, interrupted, but but we've been a lot of that's been rare and not uh, not the norm. But uh, and I'm not complaining about that. I understand that. You know, I wanted to, I want to do the will of God above anything else. Nothing can rival that. Nothing can be in the same universe or galaxy with that driving zeal in the heart. doesn't matter whether you're called to pastor or not. Even whatever your calling is, there has to be that right prioritizing, amen, that motivation in the spirit. And that doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, won't have times where you can uh, spend time with your wife alone. or God is going to provide those times, but there, it may not be the way you think. In other words, oh, it's, I'm going to set this uh, to be, you know, an hour a day, and that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be like that. Amen. And nowhere in the Bible is that taught. Amen. You're going to have to have, be willing to face things, uh, you know, as they come up in your life and make decisions based on Jesus first at all times. And there, there have been times when, uh, you know, I, I've had to make decisions that just looked as if, uh, you know, I'm almost even neglecting. Just having, because... I can remember there was a time when uh, these young men would come uh, to my house. They were, you know, they were 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, most of them didn't even think because they were single. They didn't even think to call and ask. Or they just show up. And, you know, they're asking questions and they're hungry for Jesus. And, you know, what are you going to do? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't help you. No, thank you. See, it's not you going out looking for something. You understand? It's just happening every day, every night, every day, every night. And I can remember telling my wife, if Jesus knocks on my door, says, I have a need, I'm not going to go. I'm spending my time with my wife. <laughs> what you've done to the least, you've done to me. You understand? That's the way we're going to live, sister. We're going to live this way. Amen. And we're going to follow Jesus. And we're not going to fall into family idolatry. Amen. We just stand. Here at the beginning, amen, we get that straight. Amen. That we hear things rightly. We prioritize according to the word of God. Father, we do thank you for the truth. I thank you, Lord God, for your truth. I thank you, Father God, for setting us free. And I pray, Lord God, that thy word would cut and divide between soul and spirit. And Father God, that our priorities would be right. We're thankful for our marriages. We're thankful for our wives and children, Father God. We're thankful for these relationships. And Father, we do want to love and honor and reverence and nurture. And I pray, Lord God, we understand that loving you supremely is the key to all of that, Father God. Give us a heart to love you, to put you first in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Would you find a place just to submit your heart to God afresh in regards to this matter?
know, has there ever been a generation that is more confused about what love and what hatred is? Never been a, a generation, at least not in my lifetime, anything like the confusion. They call, you know, evil good and good evil. They, they really believe hatred is love and love is hatred. And the reason is because they have been seduced into laying down critical thinking and they're led by their emotions. You know, the love of God, loving God is not, it, of course, can be emotional, but that's it's rooted in the will, amen? And loving as God commands us to love is to love by principle, to love by the principle of the scriptures. There's many times when you choose to do what God would have you do or to love as God would have you love, that it will run contrary to your emotions. Amen? You know, if you if you allow your emotions, sentiment to govern you, more than likely you're not gonna be doing the will of God. Amen? And so th this is true in your marriage, your relationship with your children. Of course there's going to be emotion. Don't let your emotions get in the way of really loving your wife and loving your children. You understand? This is what people think, my emotions are helping me. And I do believe God has given us, uh, you know, natural affection toward our families to set a foundation for us loving them righteously. But if it's perverted, it's gonna get in the way. Now, the, the greatest hindrance many times for, for parents loving their children is their emotions toward them gets in the way. Amen. They don't, they don't have enough courage to love by principle. So as we teach on the family, this is going to be something we're going to revisit, going to remind you of over and over again. Amen. Love is to obey the Bible. Amen. Love is to obey the Bible. Amen. Would you lift your hands toward heaven and just thank him for the truth. Father, we do love you. We thank you. I ask you continue, Lord, to lead, to guide. It's in all truth, Father God. We give you praise and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come back tonight, 6 o'clock, for prayer.